0: Hello there and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my Music Career Roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of The Music Career Show.
1: Welcome to The Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians.
0: Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Hello and welcome back to the Music Career Show. So my guest today is, in my opinion, one of the best and most creative musical innovators and inventors of the modern age. He has created countless solutions to overcome the limitations of his chosen instrument, as well as push the boundaries of what can be done with it through electronical experimentation and just downright pure mad science. So say hello, everybody, to Mr. Brendan Power. Brendan, how are you now?
2: I'm good. Thanks, Barry. Great to talk to you.
0: Great to have you on, uh, Brendan. I've, I've been wanting to have you on for a, a really long time and I'm delighted that we finally got to do it. So, um, if people aren't familiar with, with who Brendan Power is, why don't you introduce yourself in, in in your own words and let people know who you are?
2: Okay. Um, well, um you can tell anyone who's uh, um, you know been to Ireland would know that the name Brendan Power um, is uh, you know the two two very Irish name. But um, I was I wasn't born in Ireland. My grandfather um, was uh, was born there um, and in Waterford, which, as you know, probably yourself, every second yep. person is called Power.
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was
2: um, the, the, he was born there in the late um, the, the late nineteenth century, and um, I think. Uh, I, I gathered to a fairly poor family, and in those days I think one way of um, reducing the number of mouths they had to feed was to ship, you know, two or three of the kids off to a religious order. So so he got sent to the Christian Brothers, and I think he was kind of almost raised in that from quite a young age, six or seven or something yeah. like that. It's a teaching order, as you know. It's not a, um, a priest order, but um, it's still a, um, I think it's a, is it a celibate order. I think it is. Anyway, when he got a bit older, he was sent out to South Africa so I'm going. I'm going back before me, but this to just explain a little bit about it'll, it'll make yeah, yeah. sense in the long run. <laughs> so he was sent out to South Africa in the um, early um, part of last century um, as a teacher and to teach the miners there. You know the people in the diamond mines and stuff like that. But he was, had a very inquiring mind and um, got very interested in evolution and all these kind of things. At that time in the Catholic Church, um, evolution was kind of like a you know heresy, total heresy. Yeah. So. Um, he had to kind of eventually choose, you know, do I go with my scientific inclination or? So he remained a Catholic, but he left the order, and um, then he became over over the years. It became quite an eminent, well known polymath, you know, because he was a, he was a, interested in so many different things: archaeology, um, biology, um, all sorts of things. Became quite a well known um, sort of scientist, you might say, in in South Africa. But it was more than that. He was more of a, you know yeah interested in so many things he married um um uh, his his wife he was now free to marry of course <laughs> so his Fort wife I um who I, I met him um later in life um you know when in towards the end of his life uh, but his i never met his, his his wife who came from liverpool maybe um so anyway they got married uh, my dad um ron was born there in in kimberley in south africa and my mum, um she was um descended from well two Dutch people who came from Amsterdam and the Frisian islands. And they went, they ended up in Kimberley in South Africa as well. Um, and um, so she was a first generation South African, my dad, they're both born there. Um, and uh, they yeah. later met up, got married. And then my dad, um, uh, he was an entomologist um, dealing with the, the insects, um, you know, the, um, insects. Study. He went out to, he was, sent to Kenya in the dying days of the British when it was, you know, still a British colony in the 1950s yeah. um, to try and help the um, the local people deal with um, sleeping sickness, which is um, sort of um, uh, spread by this disease, the te- uh, by this insect, the tsetse fly. So anyway, he was right. uh, going out in the bush a lot and, um, you know, we grew up there. So I was born in Kenya. All of us kids um, were born in Kenya, myself, uh, my um, two brothers, Kevin and Steve and my sister, we were all born in Kenya. Um Right. We, uh, so I speak a little bit of Swahili and, um, you know, picked up a few things. But at the age of nine, we all went off to New Zealand. Um, And um, so basically, I've spent the bulk of my growing up from the age of nine in New Zealand. Um, But my dad, getting back to the music, my dad, um, even though he'd never been to Ireland, he had some Irish records. I think, um, you know, there was one by Sean Maguire, Richard Hayward and Sean Maguire. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. It was a kind of EP. It was an EP, but Sean Maguire's the, the, a great fiddle player. Richard Hayward was a singer guitarist and they had some great old songs on there. You might you might know some of them. Um, Master McGrath, you know, how's that for all Ireland? says Master McGrath. It's kind of about a greyhound. It's an Irish greyhound that goes over and beats all the English dogs. <laughs> And, and the farmer and the farmer and the devil, you know that one, yeah. Where basically, um, uh, you know, a guy wants to send his, he's got a scolding wife, and he does a deal with the devil to send her down to hell, and and he, um, but the devil can't handle it, so he sends her back again. Anyway, <laughs> very, very very, very non PC in this day and age, I'm sure. But yeah, anyway, yeah. But there was great great fiddle playing in there as well. So I heard, um, you know, the Coolin, um, you know, sort of like um, the Star of Munster and things like that at an early age. But I never played yeah. anything. You know, I just listened to this, I love the music and, and um, whatever. And it was only when I went to university, I was 20 years old, someone dragged me to a, um, a Sunny Terry and Brownie McGee uh, concert. Now, Sunny Terry and Brownie McGee, probably many people won't know of them these days, but back in those days, they were a legendary blues duo. So um, hey. Sonny played the harmonica and Brownie the guitar. <laughs> but as with many um these duos, you know, they've been touring around so many years, they got absolutely sick of each other. They hated – I think things had gone down because Sonny was blind and I, I heard later that maybe there'd been some dispute over money or a woman or something, but basically uh. they just detested each other by the time I saw them, which was in 1976. And um, this is at university, so there was this big stage, there's Sonny over one end, Brownie over the other end. They never spoke to each other once all night. But they just kind of made the odd snide comment about each other to the audience. And Brownie would play tricks. Like um, Sonny was blind. So he'd start a song and some, you know, one of their famous songs in a, say, one key, maybe D or something like that. Sonny yeah. had a little bandolier of harmonicas in his jacket, pick up, find the right one. As soon as he found the right one, Brownie would change a key to something else. Yeah. So all that shit was going on, all this kind of, um, yeah. you know, needle but, man, when they played together, which was most of the time, you know, it was just the hairs on the back of my neck went up and I just thought, fuck, you know, I'd never heard the blues harmonica yeah. before. So, um, you know, I went out the next day and I um, went down to a music shop, said, um, you know, I heard this incredible harmonica. I want harmonica, you know. So they sold me the right harmonica, luckily, because there's so many different kinds of harmonica.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: yeah. I did get a little Honor Marine band. And then I said, yeah. look, I want some, um, you know, music with some harmonica on. So they sold me a Bob Dylan record which, um, you know, well, yes and no. I mean, a great record, Blood on the Track, a fantastic record. So I'd never really got into Blood, Bob Dylan, and I love that record, but his harmonica playing is, you know, borderline shite, basically. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) there as a talk and gesture, but more than Antonelle's. Yeah, he gets away with it, and it's it's very effective within the context of his songs, but it wasn't what Mm -hmm. I was after. So eventually I tracked down some records by um, Sonny Terry himself, um, the great... um, Sonny Boy Williamson. There's all these um, Sunny Boys, um, you know, back in the in the blues days, and um, so my guru yeah. became this guy called Sunny Boy, Boy Williamson. There's two of them. Sonny Boy Williamson the second was the one I liked the best, Rice Miller. Now, have yeah. you ever heard of him at all? Uh, I, I,
0: I probably have heard of them in passing, but I couldn't yeah. recall them. Yeah,
2: well, he's um, he's awesome. I'd really recommend. There's some great videos of him playing um, on YouTube in his in his later um, days. Sonny Boy Williamson um rice miller is his real name rice miller but oh he's a knockout he's got incredible like um the maori have got a word for it which is kind of like i don't think in english we've got a word for it but when they speak of someone with mana m-a-n-a it means that it means kind of charisma um dignity power power of personality you know some people have just got that you know that sort of it just oozes out of them you know yeah. you just kind of see them and they they've got this you know, incredible chiefly. X-Factor kind um, of thing. Yeah. So, but Sonny Williamson has got that man. He's just mind-blowingly. Sure so basically, I'm mad into the blues and, um, you know, utterly obsessed. Uh, because this was 1976, you know, way before anything. And in New Zealand, there's no information, you know, on how to play the harmonica. So I just played yeah. with, um, you know, I can roll my tongue like most people in the world. Some people can't, but so I just played through that rolled tongue on the harmonica. Uh, you can do it too. <laughs> uh, so that that is um, one way to get a note on a harmonica. But yeah. after about a year of doing that, I really—how does Sunny Terry doing all this bending and Sonny Bull Williamson? I can't bend notes. So I thought there must—I must be doing something wrong, you know. So yeah. after a year, you know, like in YouTube, you could get that within five minutes, and yeah. uh, you could go there and they say no, don't do it this way. But those days it was like an information desert. So yeah. eventually, I thought I have got to do so. So in the end, I went from just a lip pursing. Put my tongue back in my mouth and went for a, a, a lip pursing kind of embouchure. I'll demonstrate it here. Too. So, so yeah. here's a the typical harmonica. So you can play it with your tongue like that. But but the way um, I went to doing it was just putting my mouth on the harmonica. And now you can bend. You can use your tongue for percussive yes. sounds and all this kind of thing. So once I did that, I was suddenly I could really make some progress, you know.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly how I play harmonica as well. I could never get my head around or my tongue around the uh, the <laughs> lap I, yeah. I can do all the the, 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 the lip portion and, and the bending and stuff with with, with yeah. in your mouth and the percussive like kind of, kind of clacks yeah. and tatas and stuff with your tongue, but couldn't get my head me, me tongue around the, the the using your tongue, the tongue blocking.
2: Yeah, well, this tongue blocking is another is a third thing. So tongue blocking is a different thing where you actually black, blank off a few holes um, of the of the harmonica and play out of the right side of your mouth. Normally, some people can play right yeah. or left side, so that's a different thing. That's kind of um, gives you sort of a vamping sound. <laughs> uh, actually, I've got the wrong harmonica for that. Here uh, was uh, I think it's more like this sort of sound. Um, <laughs> So this is kind of how the Germans imagined the harmonica would be played. So So I'm using my tongue to kind of get that chordal accompaniment. So you've got a couple of chords at the bottom here. The the one chord and the five chord, which are your two main chords in music. So you kind of flap your tongue off and on and you hint at the melody with your right-hand side. Some people are brilliant at that. I'm, I'm not really good at it. I can sort of busk it. But, um, you know, that's how the harmonica right. was intended to be played, the rectituned um, diatonic. Um, but I play just more single notes normally.
1: <laughs>
2: and I just get chords
1: with...
2: <laughs> in more kind of like that vamping style rather than, you know, um, with the tongue blocking. Because to me the tongue blocking, like you found, is pretty awkward and um, I just never really, you know, got into it. Very often. So um, yeah. so anyway, basically I made some progress with the Sunny Terry, but getting to the Irish side, back, you know, completing the circle with my grandfather. So my, yeah, yeah, yeah. once I started playing a bit, I thought started listen, thinking back to those Irish records that I, my dad had and, and the tunes, and I started trying to figure out a few Irish tunes. And that was quite a yeah. whole other level of um, technical ability in some ways because you had to be super precise, pretty fast, and um, you have to yeah. get, you know, the scales are a little bit different so that was a whole new journey so I went down that journey um, and um, ended up creating a different tuning for playing um, uh, Irish music um, like on a normal harp they call it Richter tuning it dates from the 19th yeah. century like some guy called Richter came up with it or you know whatever so I called it Paddy Richter because <laughs> it was good for Irish music so um, I came up with this new tuning um, the long and the, the long um, when I came over to Britain which was in 92 um, so I I'll, I'll skip over the New Zealand bit, but I started playing in New Zealand around the place, eventually came to uh, Britain in 92. And it was those Irish tunes that really caught people's ear rather than the blues stuff, you know, yeah. which I still love to play. And um, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then I got asked to do an album um, um, by uh, a guy in Leeds who had connections with the Irish music scene. I did that with a guy called um, Chris Newman, an amazing guitarist who produced it and played guitar in it called New Irish Harmonica. And that really um, got played a lot in Ireland. And suddenly, I got yeah. all these calls from quite famous people in Ireland: um, Johnny McDonough, um, the Bowerham player; um, people mm. that wouldn't be widely known outside of Ireland, but big names in Ireland. Artie McGlynn, the guitar player, mm. come and come and record with us, you know. So I ended up going to Ireland quite a bit, recording on albums, and eventually that led to the Riverdance show, um, which was I played in for about three years in the in, uh, as a stand-in for Martin O'Connor, the, the box player, and. Um, you know, I've just, yeah. that's that's kind of a potted history of the Irish side. On the other sides, I've got into Bulgarian music, Chinese music, and all of those things require, um, you know, um, well, I found I couldn't play them on standard harmonicas. So I've always had this tinkering yeah. aspect of pulling the thing apart and uh, retuning and changing everything. So I found I had to, you know, make up harps for Bulgarian music a special construction for Chinese music so that's 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 really explains why I carry around about 50 bloody harmonicas to a gig so anyway that's, that's roughly um you know uh, yeah what I do and what you know
0: yeah excellent so that 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 that, that that's all fantastic I, I loved hearing all of that um that was brilliant thanks very much so you started so you, you were you were 20 before you started playing harmonicas. right
2: yeah, very late uh, for most musicians. That's they yeah. hadn't played anything before. So even even knowing what a scale was, uh, I had no idea. And I still can't read music. I have tried to teach myself a few times over the years, but I can't read music, which would be a great thing to be able to do. But I just, you know, every time I try, it's like going back to baby steps again. And I just think, oh, damn, I can't be bothered. So <laughs> I just yeah, play by ear. It's, it's you know. one of the many hard players do it. Yeah, well, it's it's. Mm.
0: It's one of those things, music theory is, I I now, because I I, I teach music, it was one of those things that I kind of had to, those those barriers that I had to kind of get over. Um, I'd done it in school and all that kind of crack, but it was only, like you, for the vast majority of, I've been playing music since I was 13, so that's what, 17 years. And um, it's only the past couple of years that I've actually figured out music theory. And it's one of these things that, it just requires you to think in a slightly different way. But it's, and, and, and once, once it clicks, it does require that click though. It does require that mm-hmm. click. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world mm-hmm. until that click mm-hmm. happens. But once it does, mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, yeah. I mean, there's
2: music theory in terms of, um, you know, what chord, what notes go with chords, you know, um, you know, for instance, on yeah, a, I think yeah. in terms of numbers, um, you know, like on a harmonica, you know, I've got a, like a bunch of harps here. They're all in, um, you know, they're all in different keys, different tunings. And so what what, what will work with, say, a piano where a given note, you know, say C4, is only going to be on that one place on the piano C4, that C4 note, could be in, uh, you know, 10, 12 different places on my harmonica. So you can't look at a a dot, you know, on the the screen and go to that hole and blow that note because it might be a draw note on that hole up there, you know. So for for, for harmonica, reading music, especially if you're using several different keys, it's pretty, Mm -hmm. it's even more difficult than just learning music normally. So what I do is I think in terms of numbers, so, you know, instead of thinking the names of the notes, this is a C-sharp or that's an F-sharp or whatever, I just think, um, well, in, in relation to my home key, um, when I'm there, that's the one note, that's the three note, that's the five. It's kind of used a lot in Nashville, um, you know, they use I was that, just the, gonna Nash- say the Nashville, National Nashville number system. system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I apply that to notes as well. And it's used widely in um, China and, and um, in Asia, actually. They actually notate things in numbers. Have you ever seen it? No. It's it's called no. Jianpu. J J, J uh, I U J J I A J N P U Jianpu. It's really interesting. Uh, so and when you go to you know yes. I spend quite a lot of time in China and other places, and they get out the music sheets. It's in numbers, and that's perfect for harmonica. It's all but related to the names of the, the the names of the scale, and they've got a way to you know uh, right. put a dot under a n- number to make it a longer or a line or put it in bold or whatever. So, yeah, they can actually read it, bang. And the good thing about that is you can pick up any harmonica, read the numbers, and it's going to come out perfectly. You don't have to change the key of the score. It's, it's really clever. Very good. Uh, that is really, really clever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but, you know, I never mastered that either, to be honest. But I do understand how numbers, um, how notes relate to chords. So, for instance, I could get around a jazz improvisation well enough knowing um you know okay i'm on on the a chord these notes are the one three five of the a chord i wouldn't know what the note the names of the notes are but i'd know where they are on the harp and then when we go to the five chord i know that that part of the harmonica is going to work for the five chord and then when i go to the six major chord as opposed to the six minor chord i know which notes are going to sound good so i do have some theory um in in my head but it's not to do with reading or anything like that
0: yeah well no, you've got you've got all the basics. You've got everything that you need really. Um because I I I'm pretty much the same. Whenever I play harmonica, now in in, in when I play harmonica, it's usually um accompanying myself on, on guitar. Very seldom well no, that's not true, actually. In my band, I play mandolin in the band with um another guy. And sometimes I'll play harmonica. But again, it's like I know I know I know what you're saying. I know where the one chord is, I know where the five chord is. So I was like, it it's very handy to find and then the rest of it you can just sort of feel your way around with um mm-hmm. and yeah all the theory necessary is just basically use your ears and kind of know where yeah. where things should sit
2: yeah 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 yeah, certainly for most um, sort of simple forms of music like, say, blues or um, many much folk music, you're essentially playing um, within modal, um, you know, m- within modes. And most Irish music for is modal, essentially yeah. modal music. Um, but where, as soon as you get, you know, where you start modulating within a tune like you do in jazz, for instance, rhythm changes, mm. you really have to know what's going on there because you can't stick yeah. with your home key. As soon as it goes to the bridge, you've got you've to know what t- those notes are, you know, and what's going to work. Oh,
0: exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, excellent. So yeah, so so say when, so when you were saying there about you were in New Zealand in the seventies trying to learn all these things and there was like very very little information. How did you eventually like get over that? Because like, I, I, as you say, like when when, when I was uh, when I was growing up learning, I'm I'm self taught in 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 everything. And um, so when I when I was in my formative years of learning guitar, YouTube was just 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 about. Um, on the go, but I only had like, I didn't have broadband. So I literally like to, to load up a video, I'd have to load up the video, go away, tune the guitar, go make a cup of tea and then come back and it might have loaded. Um, so <laughs> I, I, do, do you know what I mean? So it was an awful lot of patience, but like, how did you get over that without, without YouTube, mm. without the help, do you know what I mean? Without with, with the lack of everything, it sounds like.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, um Basically, just trial and error, and um, also I used to use some a few tools. For instance, when I heard something that I really liked, um, I had a, a a turntable. You know, so if it's a thirty-three, um, you know, speed turntable, uh, most turntables back in you know those days. Well, they, I think probably they do now had a 16 speed which is pretty much half speed so i got really mad on this guy called charlie mccoy i don't know if you've ever heard of him but he's a legendary nashville session musician he plays amazing harmonica but he also plays bass trumpet trombone played on quite a few bob dylan records um i think blonde on blonde and a few playing you know bass you know he was a kind of a brilliant session musician but he was known for his harmonica playing which was like really fast um uh, it was in second position he was using essentially the blues style of playing but bringing in Appalachian yeah. kind of fiddle tune, um, phrasing into it, and he did these really fast tunes. And when I first thought, of, wow, how's he doing that? So I bet I'd get his records, you know, which um, and put them on 16 speed. And, of course, the not only does the speed go down, but the pitch goes down, so it sounds like a saxophone, that, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it goes down an octave down. So I would just basically listen to these yeah. things over and over again, move the thing back. And I, I found that was a really amazing, uh, well, a really helpful way of learning. And of course, nowadays it's so easy. On YouTube videos, you can just choose your um, speed level and you can learn yeah. so easy. But back in those days, it was more um, using things like turntables and halving the speed. But that's a really good way to pick up on tricky music that you can't really grasp when you first hear it at high speed. So I use that quite a bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, a lot of uh, listening... Copying, like um, listening to um, great blues players and trying to learn what they were doing. After Very a while, good. of course, you develop your own style. But it's really, it's great when you can actually, you know, emulate someone, you know, note for note. Um, you feel you're, you're really yeah. making some progress. So it's really valuable, I think, to to actually, yeah. for instance in indian music that's how they teach people you know the guru (laughs) you know you have to basically um follow what the guru does do exactly what he does copy him and basically i mean most of us uh, no doubt yourself as well you've got some i see a whole bunch of guitars on the wall you've probably got some you know your guitar gods that you just emulate above all others and no doubt you've sat down for hours and weeks and months trying to work out what the hell they're doing and so you know it's it's a great learning um process that
0: and did you ever think, uh, or did you ever um, access lessons or anything like that, or are you, are you completely self-taught?
2: Mm, completely self-taught. Um, yeah, I've never, um, never had a lesson from. Certainly not any harmonica player. I've given quite a few lessons myself, but yeah, I never had a lesson from anybody. No.
0: Okay, amazing. So then, how did you? That, that that's absolutely mind blowing. Because then, how did you figure out that the notes that you. Well, I suppose. I'm after answering my own question. I was going to say, how did you figure out that the notes that you were trying to emulate on those Irish records just simply weren't on your harmonica? Was it an awful lot of like trial and error, go out and buy a new key, or what did you do? Yeah, I
2: mean, uh, well, let me just illustrate that. So, if I, if I pick up a... um, uh, indeed,
0: uh, Or I even, in, so- indeed, any, any of those <laughs> records, it doesn't have to be just the Irish ones.
2: Yeah, so I mean, um, in blues, what you tend to do is you play in what's called cross harp. I mean, the harmonica is supposed when I when I first played that one to you, it's supposed to be played in what's called straight harp. So this is an A harp, and it's normally you play in the key of A. But the blues guys, you know, for that, um, you know, Mary had a little lamb. that's the German way. The blues guys realize that if you play it essentially in the yeah. you know the wrong key, in, in a key a fifth away from the home key, all your main notes are draw notes. So they would go...
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: so suddenly, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb <laughs> sounds totally different, you know, much more soul. But to Not do that... You have there's some missing notes so so all the notes are there and straight up no.
1: that's
2: a missing that's a that's a bent note um, which you have to get by bending and existing because that note that note there doesn't exist it's, you've just got this note here and this one here you have to get it down to that missing note now that's all very well for blues um, you know it's great. You can really get some soul out of bending that note, but trying to play fast um, Irish tunes, um, yeah. you, know, you need precision. So, um, if I ch- show you on um, uh, this is uh, this is in the key of D, and this is a harp that doesn't have you know the standard tuning essentially. Uh, now yeah. we're in the key of. There's that note there. You have to bend down to get it. So what I did was I worked out, well, there's two notes in the bottom octave which have got the same same note. There's a blow on hole three and there's a draw on hole two. Well, I thought, well, I've got two notes there. Why don't I change one of them to that missing note? Uh, and so basically um, this is the Paddy Richter tuning I was telling you. So now instead of having... Um, I go, so I have to bend it, now I go, it's a blow note, now I can play quite fast, so that note there, it's kind of built in. So now it's much easier to play yeah. the tunes. Um, um, you know, um that note there is kind of like the, the home note of that of that mode, if you like. So now it's so much easier to play the tunes, yeah. just one changing one note. So um yeah. I think that's what you asked me initially. Um, but anyway, that's, what, was, that's yeah, an sure. example of changing the harmonica to make it better for a style of music. And um, that's called Paddy yeah. Richter tuning, which is now used a lot. Yeah.
0: Are you, I, I I agree. I've got uh, uh, a Paddy Richter, a Paddy Richter Lucky 13 in G, and the lower one seems to be sort of er- errant towards, well, it's maybe not E minor if it's modal, but it, uh, a song that myself and, the, and um, Callum play at my bandmate play an awful lot is star the county down I usually play it on mandolin um and I, I I picked up the Paddy Richter one day and I was like I just started blowing away and just what you're saying the way that it's tuned differently it just sort of lends mm. itself to that that one note that isn't in the standard uh G yeah. tuning yeah um yeah. and it just sort of it just sort of played itself it was it was amazing um right. but then like so if there was no if there was none of that information then how did you figure out how to tune it? Did you just like I don't know, get okay, a hacksaw and like and a hammer, or what did you do? Yeah,
2: I mean, basically, um, again, I think that comes back to my my dad, who was a really, um, um, you know, he he was a he was uh, he was an entomologist by his, in his day job, but his real passion was, um, um, you know, back in, in the workshop at home, he had a really. Um, Extensive workshop with milling machines, welding. So he was really into metalwork. So all of us kids grew up around someone who was very skilled with their hands, making stuff. And my brother Steve, he's a helicopter mechanic. I I ended up becoming a harmonica mechanic, I suppose. So I was pulling them apart, thinking, mm, that note doesn't. How do I change that note? So this was in a information vacuum, but I would I recognised that if that's a reed, if you file some weight off the end of the reed, the pitch goes up. So that was a kind of a you know, light bulb moment. I thought, oh, I can change these reeds if I want to. So file the end of the reed and the pitch will go up by a semitone or a tone or however much. I mean, there's a limit, maybe three semitones. And conversely, if you put some weight on the end of the reed with some solder or whatever, the pitch will go down. So, um, you know, that's um, that suddenly turns the harmonica into a shapeshifter. You know, instead of having to just push, put up with what the manufacturers give you, you can actually transform it into – any tuning you like i mean there could be infinite there's an infinite number of tunings really when you start um, working it out but there's probably about 20 or 30 that are accepted as being very useful alternate tunings and i've come up with quite a few um, original ones myself so it was really just applying my mechanical knowledge to i mean that every instrument is a mechanical thing for instance a guitar the string you know you shorten the length of the string you get a note that's higher than the other one so Similar things. It's a mechanical thing, and the same with reeds. You can, if you lighten them or shorten the reed, uh, the note goes up or down or whatever. So once you get, once you understand the how they actually work, you can get in there and you know mess about with them.
0: Amazing, amazing. There's there's a bit of a parallel there. My dad was a helicopter mechanic when I was a kid, and mm. I went on to do music. So he now works on was <laughs> he uh, buses now? But um, yeah, there you go. Cool. Um, yeah. So what was then? Um, and so so you, you started thinking around with all these different harmonicas and all that kind of crack and different tunes and stuff. And then you, you eventually went on to invent some of your own harmonicas, didn't you? Or innovate, invent, whatever way you want to call it. I would say invent. Um, innovation's not strong enough, I don't think. But what was the first one of those that you eventually went on to invent?
2: Well, I um, probably, uh, uh, because I was uh, coming out with different tunings, I... Um, the, probably the first thing I made, this is for my own use back in New Zealand in the early 80s, you know, whatever, um, was um, I made a 13-hole harp. Uh, no, no, sorry, an 11-hole harp, an 11-hole harp. Um, so basically um, all the diatonics are normally 10-hole. I haven't got one of those early ones with me right now, but basically because I changed the tuning, um, I went and chopped the re-plate and put another reed in there, so I had another reed sticking out there which was unusable, so I either chop it off or if I want to make use of that reed, add another hole. So basically I've got two harmonicas, chopped them up, glued them together, so I had an 11, 11 holes instead of 10. Um, so yep. that, I used them for all through the 80s and it was in my own tuning, but it wasn't something that I was selling or anything. At that time I was, I was totally unknown, so I was just using it for my own use. Um, and I've done quite a few things. Um, you know, this this one here, the Lucky 13, which you, you, um, is a development of an early, I've got three or four, harp, yeah, harp hacking, um, exercise where I took two harmonicas, chopped them up, and turned them into an, a 13 hole. And I've made 16 hole, 12 yeah. hole, 14 hole, but the Lucky 13 I eventually turned into a, a product that people could buy because basically the the harp has got, um, you know, it's got three octave range, it's pretty, uh, sorry, three octave three octave range um it's got three octaves which is a lot for a tiny little thing like that you know it's more than most wind yeah. instruments so but a yeah. d harp here would start here and you know so that's the kind of range of it so with the lucky 13 um, you can get an extra bottom octave so instead of so you get the extra... <laughs> ..an extra bottom octave thrown on the end, which gives you more of a, a rootsy sort of um, vamping sort of sound. Um, but you still got all your normal harp yeah. up the top. So that's one example, but I've come up with way more extreme um, ones than that. I've got 3D printers, laser cutters. I taught myself CAD about um, CAD design, you know, about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight eight years ago. So um, to be honest, that's what I spend most of my time on these days, on my uh, computer with CAD designing crazy combs and crazy harmonicas and CAD design and then making them with my 3d printers laser cutters milling machines and stuff just experimenting with um you know because there's a lot of limited the harmonica is a great instrument but it has a lot of limitations yeah. um, on the guitar course, you can yeah. bend any note um you know any string you want on the harmonica as you may know you can only bend certain notes um so trying to find ways to make yeah more reads bend um and do other things so yeah that's what it takes up a lot of my time these days but um so yeah it's it. just an extension of my early days getting in there with the file now i'm using more sophisticated machines and cad design and stuff
0: amazing amazing I mean, we, we i i do want to get back into that um in, in a bit but what was so so that that first um that first iteration the 11 hole diatonic then what was that 11th hole for um, what, well, what, what, what was that, What was the What was it solving? What problem was that solving?
2: Um, well, what I did was I um, I wanted a, a different. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, good point. Well, on your Rick the harmonica, as you probably know, um, well. Taking it one step back, it, in in music we've got a we use the diatonic sc- uh, scale, which is the Do Re Mi scale. You know, mm-hmm. Do Re Mi yep. Fa sol, La Ti Do, and there's seven notes in the Do Re Mi. There's seven notes: C D E F G and A B. That's seven, right? But on the harmonica, you've got a unit of um, a divider of two, which is blow draw. You know, so mm-hmm. two into seven doesn't go. You know, so what do you no. do there? Um, so basically, what they do on a on a Richter harmonica. I think all of mine is retuned, so I don't think I've got, actually got a straight out Richter harmonica in in, uh, in the room with me. I've got some upstairs, but basically they reverse the breathing pattern in the top octave. But basically, the basic scale is so there's and then what do you do there? So basically, then um, the all down the bottom end of the harp, all your high notes, your high notes are draw notes. So the blow note is the low note. So it's always, but after hole number seven, because of this strange anomaly of, um, you know, blow, suck, two into seven won't go, um, in order to basically get, keep the scale mm. going without having to add on extra holes, they basically twisted the breathing pattern around. So now from hole number seven, That's right, yeah. the blow note becomes the high one. Okay. So, Basically, the top octave is the opposite breathing pattern to all the rest of the harp. So that was yes, annoying okay. to me. I thought, you know, God, why do. So you basically have to relearn everything in the top octave, you know, because it, it you play a lick here. Yeah. And you've got to relearn it in the top octave. It's going to, your mouth and breath are going to be doing different things. And that just irritated me. So I thought, yeah. I want the top octave to be the same as the middle octave in the bottom, you know, so you've got a regular breathing pattern all the way. Yeah. So what I did was I just um, chopped. Um, the reed plate at hole number seven and moved it along so that now my blow and draw were always in the same relationship. Um, The draw was always higher than the blow and so I added another little reed in there with um, blue tack. I stuck it in with blue tack and I had an extra reed out the other end here just um, kind of because I'd moved the draw reed plate along there was a an extra reed unused you know. So I could either chop that off and retain the the ten hole form or I could add another hole on by sticking two combs together and um, add another reed in here and then I'd have um, 11 holes. Uh, so it was just really completing the scale because I was yeah. changing the tuning. I was making a different tuning and completing the scale. So that was really the um, the impetus behind making the 11-holed harmonicas. I wanted to get a regular breathing pattern, um, but I still wanted to retain the same range that I had before. So I just added another hole. Yeah. Brilliant. That's genius. Well, it's, it's not really. It's just really following through the logic and then thinking, okay. I mean, all of these things are just um, – you have a problem. You think, oh, you solve it, and then, oh, I've got another problem that's created a different problem. So how do I solve that? And one thing leads to another. So yeah. <laughs> it's not really genius. I think it's more just Amazing. step by step, you know. <laughs> yeah, fantastic.
0: So then what's what what's the most mental thing that you've, you, you've invented up until
2: now? Um, okay, well, probably um, the one that people find the weirdest one is um, – what I call the Asia bend. Um, these are my um, so-called chromatic harmonicas. They look like chromatics. They've got buttons on the end, but most of them are really different. Yeah, yeah. And the most different of all is um, this is actually a, um, it's a well-known um, chromatic called the CX-12 made by Hohner. It's quite an interesting yeah. design. See, the whole thing falls apart. This is not my um, design. It's actually, they got this guy in there who made, um, um, weapons, you know, guns and things like that. They, they, they brought in an outside designer to design a harmonica for them, you know, sort of in a creative way. This is back in about 19, 1990 or something. Um, and um, he oh, came yeah. up with this thing. It's a very clever harmonica design. So the actual design of the harmonica is made by Hohner. But what I've done is retuned it and changed it. So all harmonicas, as you know, <laughs> they're blow-suck instruments, aren't they?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, this one here, if I blow on it... <laughs> Nothing happens. It's only the draw notes work. (laughs) But the blow reeds are still in there. The actual, you know, the actual reed that would give me a blow note is still in there. But what I've done is um, I've pushed it into the reed slot. Um, It's called zero gap or zero offset. So now when I blow, the reed reed won't make a noise. (laughs) But what it does do, um, getting back to the bending that we've talked about, Sort of talking about note bending, yeah, and you yeah, get yeah. interactive read thing going on. So when I start bending my draw note, that read, that blow read, which doesn't sound normally, starts vibrating sympathetically to give me deeper bends. So it's an all draw harmonica. So now if I want to bend um, something, you know, down. <laughs> that to, to play Chinese music originally, because I wanted to play yeah. Chinese music with the Chinese, how they, you know, I just love the way they play. So I made that to make Chinese music, but then I and I found the way to do it was basically to get rid of the blow notes making a sound and keep them purely as sympathetic notes to allow the draw reeds to bend. And so this is probably the most um, weird harmonica for other harmonica players, because they're so used to going you know, this one yeah, yeah all the blow notes don't work, only yeah. the draw notes, and they just, oh no, like ninety nine percent of them throw it down. And, oh no, no, can't do that with it. But you know, for <laughs> me personally, it's one of my favorite harmonicas I've made because I just love the expressiveness. You know, um, and it's great for I Irish and All sorts of things. Yeah,
0: fantastic. So then, so so like like you are saying that most harmonica players are like, nah, nah, get away, kill it with fire, go away. But like, yeah. how does then like surely to be to God? You're but by, by the time you've played that for a whole night, you're 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 ready to pass out because you're not like kind of you're you're just do you know what I mean? you're just
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not not really because um I mean if you think of it, it's just simply the inverse of any a normal wind instrument, like a um a saxophone, a whistle or, or a flute. They're all blow instruments. And the way they get around it is they blow for a while and then they do, or singing, you know, you sing for a while and you do a quick intake of breath and you sing more. So basically this is the the inverse. So basically I'm sucking for quite a while, then I do a quick sort of exhalation and I can do some more. So, you know, um, if I, if, um, yeah, I do, you know, I'm exaggerating it now. Yeah, just... So, you know, you wouldn't hear it
1: normally.
2: You know, so I'm exaggerating now, but that's what I do. I just expel it with a puff, and then, so you don't, you know, you don't. Go red in the face and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, because I I I came across that uh, a couple of years ago in a video that you'd done on YouTube, and I was like, Jesus Christ, how does he not just pass out playing that? Uh, hmm. But yeah, no, that that's uh, that's brilliant. And I know it's it's um that that's not a a standard um I can't remember the model C six hundred is it?
2: CX twelve. No, not at all. I mean, basically, I've added this little thumb hook there. This is just to allow me to move the slider in with my thumb so I can oh, yeah. basically keep my hands cupped if I'm using a microphone. Um, I can just use – instead of having yeah, to go like this. Um, and yeah. also it's got no valves on the on the outside. I mean, most chromatics, when you pull them apart, they've got these little windsaver valves. So There's got yeah, no yeah. valves anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, you can't really see it in detail, but the, the blow reads are set into the reed plate. So, yeah, it's it has the form factor of a standard chromatic harmonica, but it's radically – Retuned and altered in other ways, so and suddenly you get a totally different sounding instrument from you know what looks outwardly like a chromatic harmonica, you know. And the same with Irish music, um, you know, I've got these, um, 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 this again it's a CX12, but this is tuned for Irish music, and this is, um. <laughs> You know, so it's this is what I call a slide diatonic. Because a chromatic normally when you press the slide in yeah. it goes up a semitone. And no one in Irish music uses yeah. semitone up decorations. I mean no one does. Some use semitone down, no. but no one uses so what I've done is I've basically retune the slider notes so they go up to the next note of the home scale. So this is in D. So the slider notes always sound really in key. So So they, the, 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 you know, they. Um, um, so they sound more, you know, in the mode of the of the tune because Irish music is mostly modal. So this is a slide yeah. diatonic. So that's another example of a something that looks like a chromatic but actually sounds much more authentic for Irish music. This one's again, it's a CX12. I just particularly like this um, form factor, but this is more for Bulgarian music. So. Yeah. So it's got more of that East, um, East European, Balkan kind of flavour. So. Again, it's just retuned, Actually. and straight um, away it, it straightaway comes out sounding more Balkan, you know.
0: Yeah. So, so they're not, so, so they're, they're not basically chromatics anymore at all. They're just they something
2: else. Most of them are something else. Yeah. <laughs> this one still does have mostly, yeah, <laughs> mostly does yeah. chromatic um, qualities, but it's not designed to be played as a chromatic harmonica player, uh, as a chromatic harmonica in, in jazz or whatever. It's basically tuned to play. Vulcan music um, with that
0: flavour yeah very good yeah no, chromatic is one of those things that just it, it eludes me because I'm mainly a harmonica player that plays to back myself on on, on, on guitar the whole slider thing I have, I have I mean, a really nice good. chromatic that I got in Hong Kong when I was on uh, honeymoon um, oh jeez I completely forget what it is now even but it's it, 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 it's really nice but it's just it's an, it, it eludes me
2: right yeah the chromatic's um, most People who start on the blues harp find chromatics frustrating because you you can't bend notes. You know that, which is a big part of the, oh, which is a big part of the attraction of a of a of a harmonica is that bending note sound. You know, you get people like yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Mick Jagger, and all they'd have to do is you know play like. And the whole crowd goes crazy, or um, Bono, or something. You know, they they can bend one note, and you know, so that's really the harmonica is almost the, the signature sound of the harmonica. And on a chromatic, you can't get that. Um, but the, but if you delve into why that is, it's because it's fully valved. There's all these little wind savers. So um, yeah. on a diatonic, you don't have those, and the two reeds can interact, and that's how you get the bend. Um, the the, the wind savers in the chromatic stop the two reeds interacting, is to make it. It's an intrinsically less airtight harmonica because it's got sliders and blah blah blah. So to make them sound good, they put these, add these wind savers. That means whenever you play a reed, you just get one single isolated reed at a time. It can't interact with another. So you know, again, if you go into the harmonica, pull off some of the wind savers, you can bend a chromatic. So this is a this is a chromatic. Um, this is actually in a you know got a full chromatic scale. So it's you know it's fully chromatic. So, but if I want to, but I've taken valves off, so I can now replace a lot of those. I can place them with bends. Now it's fully chromatic, but it's, um, I'm using bends instead of um, button pushes. And suddenly the the, the chromatic... Um, I can, I can use this for jazzy things and all that, but it's got a different flavor to a normal chromatic. And it's, again, just because um, I've ri- I've retuned it a bit and ripped off the the Windsaver valves. Normally that, on a ch- normal chromatic, you'd have lots of little strips of plastic there. I pull them all yes. off, change the tuning, and suddenly it becomes more like a blues harp. You know, it sounds more like a blues harp, uh, but it's still got the full chromatic ability. So, Yeah. There's an infinite it? number of that kind of stuff you can do. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Um, you mentioned there about river dance. How did river dance come about? That's unreal.
2: Well, it was basically um, this album, New Irish Harmonica, I did, um, which ended in um, uh, uh, 1994, mm. I did that, and it started getting played in Ireland. I think um, Clare FM was playing it quite a bit, and, uh, and um, it was a bit different. People hadn't really heard traditional Irish music played in a contemporary way on harmonica before, I think, much of the traditional yeah. musician. So um, I started getting these calls to come over. So I went over to Ireland and um, did gigs and recordings with quite a few um, well-known Irish musicians. I played on an album, the late, Arty, late great Artie McGlynn. Uh, you'd know of him, I guess, the guitar player. I know yeah, the name, Northern yeah. Ireland. Yep. fantastic player. Yep. I played on a lovely album, it's called um, Causeway. Um, and uh, anyway, okay. so I started meeting some Irish musicians and um, then Riverdance came about, I think it was 1990s, 1998, I think was the first, um, 99, or whatever. And, um, you know, when uh, the Eurovision and there was old yeah. um, Michael Flatley doing his stuff on the in Dublin and then basically it just went mad and um, everyone wanted Riverdance. So they yeah. um, it was a London run um, at the Apollo Theatre in, in in uh, in London in West London, yeah, West London. And um, basically, the guy on the record, Martin O'Connor, is an incredible um, um, button box player. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's yeah, yeah. he's a bit of a legend um, in the traditional trad circles. He didn't want to go to London, you know. Um, most of the other musicians came over, but he didn't want to go there. He yeah. had other things to do. So um, they said, "Well, he can was you happy suggest not he was? Can you suggest a dip You know." A deputy, you know, to stand in for you in the London run, yeah. in the band, and um, I think he was being pretty canny, you know, he's pretty pretty crafty. So um, he he didn't suggest another button box player, you know, because there's plenty of good button box players. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. if he'd suggested one of them, they might have thought, well, this guy's pretty good. We don't, you know and he costs half as much as martin so we don't maybe we you know we'll just keep him and martin would lose the
1: yeah
2: I know, i'm just speculating in his mind i don't take this as gospel and if martin's yeah. watching um you know this is purely my speculation martin it's not possibly you were thinking differently but anyway we would hit it off musically and he said well what about brendan powie so suggested so me to um um bill whelan the composer and Bill was a bit yeah. sceptical. Harmonica, you know? Can I, oh, I don't know if harmonica because bloody complicated music. That river dance music, you know, it's on a yeah. totally different level to normal trad music. Um, so well, he said, oh well, you know. So he sent me the music over and the and um, the tracks and said, look, Brendan, you've got a month. Um, try and see what you can do with this. <laughs> and I was really wanted to do the gig, you know, I love the music and I thought, this is great, man, this is, you know. So anyway, I, I worked, worked me bollocks off for a, a month. And what I did was I, I learned the music by ear, but I had to create almost, you know, say I was playing 10 tracks a night. I almost had to create 10 different specialist harmonicas in order to do what the music demanded. For instance, right. if there was a jump from one note to, um, you know, like a, a C to a, C octave above on a harmonica that's a nightmare you know you have to stop playing there and go up there you know and trying to do that at high speed yeah. you know uh, of the jigs and reels was so what i would do is i think well i've got this harmonica there's a, there's a slider note that's not being used at that point i'll just tune that up an octave well i'm exaggerating slightly but i'll just tune that oh, up yeah. there. so when i need that note i just press the button but that harmonica would not work for anything else i mean it, it would just be work for that one tune so Anyway, by cheating, you could call it cheating, I suppose, <laughs> I managed to um, find a way to get around all these really difficult tunes. That um, So at the end of the month, um, you know, Bill Whelan had to listen. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. Okay, you're in. So basically I got Marcin's seat. Um, but in some ways for Marcin it was good because he, I, was a totally, I was a harmonica player, not another box player. So, um, you know, um, he was yeah. the original guy. And um, so he would um, – he still did some more high-press – prestige of the first american run i think he went over to america with the band and stuff like that so you know he he didn't lose out to some um you know young kid who could play really good button box and it costs you know half the price so i don't know i yeah. think that might have been going through his mind on the other hand um he might have just thought well um he he thought i could do it so that's how it happened so yeah, that part could sure be a is. little bit controversial because um i've just just speculation on my part i could be totally wrong <laughs> but anyway we're it was no, yeah. Well,
0: well, yeah either way it's a hell yeah. of a story so then so, so how long did you do Riverdance for
2: um in the end about three years um it was it was so successful that it um yeah it um the, the thing it's still going as far as I know I mean there were three shows DJ, after I think the main one in London, they had a big breakup with Michael Flatley um, sort of fairly early on in the run. And so he split off to do his thing, Lord of the Dance. But they decided to just get in really good dancers um, in his place, um, you know, really good Irish trad dancers. So yeah. we would get a succession of lead dancers, you know, um, and they were all great. But they weren't Michael Flatley. I mean, he did have that, you know, amazing uh, charisma and stuff. Um yeah. But anyway, Riverdance Re- continued on. And the good thing for the Riverdance people was without Michael Flatley, they could clone the show off, you know. So there was um, one in Europe, which is the one I was in, um, and then yeah. there was another one in America. And eventually I think there were two in America um, or Southeast Asia. It was going around all around the world. So they had... At least three shows going at once, big productions, you know, hundreds of yeah. people involved in each one. They were just creaming it. And um, so they could do well without having Michael, without needing to have Michael Flatley every night. Um, yeah. And so I was in the European one. We, we spent, like, we, we went up to Edinburgh and we were there for about six months, you know, just playing night after night. People were coming from all over the UK. And then we were in Birmingham for several months. And then after a while, we went around Europe, we went around Australia, New Zealand, um, stuff like that. After about three years, even though I could probably still be in the show if I wanted, you know, counting counting yeah. the money, but I just got brain dead with it, playing the same I old know, thing yeah. every night. And um, I thought, uh, you know, I've got to do so, I've got to stop, even though it was – I thought, oh, dear, what am I going to do now because it's really good money, you know. So um, that's when I got into maybe yeah, uh, yeah. starting a little business um, customizing harps so I could do things from home and make a bit of money yeah. from home. Yeah, fantastic. So, so,
0: is that is that what you did next? Then you went into like the manufacturing, customizing side of things. Yeah, the
2: year two uh, thousand, I think, I started, and it was just kind of hand making. Um, you know, making um, longer harps, shorter harps, harps and strange tunings, just things that people weren't doing. Just a niche market, but with the internet, you know, as you know yourself, you can reach out to billions of people around the world, and within yeah. those billions, um, you know, it's going to be, you know handful several hundred people at least who might be interested in some weird harmonica that's you know 17 holes long and it's got this crazy tuning so so there was you know basically it allowed me to make an income from home um so i started doing that And still playing but um, my my bread and butter
0: yeah and and you were able to do that and on on just just as like an internet business back what would that be 20 22 years ago
2: yeah, I did my own, I made my own website and, um, just started, you know, there's, you know, as you, yourself, there's all these chat groups and there was some early chat groups there for the harmonica. I think there was only one called Harbell. Now there's heaps on Facebook, yeah. but, um, you know, basically just say, yeah. oh, I've got this new thing and, you know, here's a link in the photo and then I'd get a few orders coming in and it, um, it built and built. Um, so eventually I had to, you know, I was just getting too much work and I had to basically, you know, double my prices and stuff and, and, um. Yeah, I was, but it was taking up an awful lot of my time after a while it was almost um you know a millstone around my neck you know especially yeah. if i went away on holiday or for a tour i'd come back and i have this whole list of orders and oh so in, in the end um i've yeah. managed to uh kind of keep that under control i've got a friend who comes in and does a lot of the kind of the more basic work um and i've kind of got away from having to do repetitive stuff i just like to come up with new ideas, new, new designs that are in my head, work them up. And then if something's good enough, for instance, like the lucky 13, you know, then I'll um, yeah. try and interest someone in manufacturing it and get someone else to sell it. So that's how, what I do now. So
0: yeah. Amazing. And what, what is it that you're working on now then? What, what, what's, what's, what's coming down the line?
2: Well, um, I'm trying to create essentially a, a hybrid new, a kind of hybrid harmonica. So, um, like the the standard blues harp has got these so many great things about it, like the vamping. It's got, it's got an instantly um, appealing quality about it. And then I've got my, my crazy Asia bend, uh, you know, which has also got some fabulous um, qualities, you know, like these big bends and on every note, you know, um, um, You just can't get that on a normal harmonica. So now I'm trying yeah. to create um, a, a hybrid harmonica, a single harmonica that can give the, the the funky blues harp sound, but also these big bends that I get on the Asia bend. And it's it's not easy because <laughs> you have to have more reeds, and you have to have oh, sliders imagine. and baffles and things to kind of cut out reeds you don't want. So the thing's um, quite a high tech. Uh, you know, it's got some of them have got magnets in them and blah blah blah. So it's kind of a kind of a Heath Robinson. Uh, Kind of construction, but the idea is to basically give me all the expressiveness of the Asia Band plus the funky, yeah. earthy quality of the blues harp plus the full chromaticism of a chromatic harmonica in one instrument. So that's what i that's my current um, mission. <laughs> it's I've been going okay. at it for months. Strangely enough, there's several ways to do it once you start thinking about it. You have to, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a real mind bender to, to, but I've come up with several different prototypes and I think I'm narrowing down to my final two or three that I'm going to finally choose. And then I've got to learn how to play it because it's just, there's so many different possibilities that are not there on a normal harp. So that'll, you know, that's keeping me amused anyway at the moment. So <laughs>
0: yeah. And is it, w- w- will that eventually be available for the likes of me to go out and buy it?
2: Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think it's just going to be too weird for most to people. I think they're going to, you know, I, I doubt that it'll have much com- commercial appeal. It'll keep me happy because I get a bit frustrated at, the limitations of my harps, but well, maybe if I make some beautiful music with it and people say, Oh, you know, how do you do that? Maybe it will turn into something, but uh, I imagine it's going to be a very niche uh, area if it ever did come out. So I'm not making it with that in mind at all. I'm just making it.
0: it (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just to keep yourself amused. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I seen that recently you've been dabbling with, um, what I didn't ever think would be possible in electric harmonicas. Uh, well, not maybe that electric harmonica is probably the wrong way of putting it. But like MIDI, uh, MIDI. Like MIDI, MIDI harmonicas, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: What's the crash with great. them? Okay, well, I, um, I, I certainly didn't invent MIDI harmonicas, but I love them. Um, there's a guy, um, a really interesting guy yeah. in Sweden called Eric. Le- well, Eric Larson is his real name, but. Um, the, the, he goes by the name Lekholm, which is mother's maiden name, and it's called the Lekholm DM48. And to be mm. honest, part of the reason that I'm trying to create this crazy new hybrid harmonica is because I've been playing the MIDI harmonica, and the MIDI harmonica can do so much more, not just the, the standard harmonica. You know, you've know, you got three buttons to alter notes, so you can alter notes all kinds of crazy ways. You can program them um, this way and that way. And you can do so much more flexible than a standard harmonica in, in the terms of what you can do. But, of course, it doesn't have that beautiful harmonica sound. So, um, But I do love MIDI harmonica. I mean, you can play, um, you know, you can sound like a saxophone, a cello, or any kind of crazy synth you want. It's so amazing, you know, it's, and they're very expressive. Um, but you don't get that real, um, authentic, traditional harmonica sound. Um, no. So, I, I want to get that. I want to get the flexibility the MIDI harmonica in a traditional harmonica. Um, so, that's why I'm trying to create this hum- hybrid yeah. harmonica. But the MIDI harmonica, I in did kind of wonder
0: is- if that was sort of where you were going.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's being inspired by the MIDI harmonica and getting frustrated when I go back to my normal harps and thinking, oh, I'd love to be able to bend that note and bend that note and do this. and But I can't. So, okay. Maybe there's a way if I add some more replates and add a slider and a, a baffle and a magnet and who knows. <laughs> yeah.
0: All sorts of madness. Yeah. Very good. That uh, Yeah, brilliant. So, um, cool. So like, do you use the MIDI harmonica in, in gigs? I know you're, you're quite a big advocate of using like um, an iPad, with like, I think, is it iRig that you use? Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I do. Um, there's, I do use my MIDI harmonica on gigs, and I love it. There's also kind of a, like a middle way um, where you can use a standard harp. Um, there's this amazing program, I don't know if you've tried it. You should if you haven't tried it, called MIDI Guitar 2. Do you know MIDI Guitar 2?
0: Yeah. I, 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 tried, I, I tried to do it at one stage over lockdown.
2: Mm. Okay, well, um, it's basically it's designed for guitars. You know, it's called MIDI Guitar 2. So um, basically... Um, it's a free program to try. You just plug your guitar in, and it could be a, an acoustic guitar with a piezo pickup. You know, it doesn't have to be electric. In fact, probably piezos yeah. might be better. Um, but then you play it, and, yeah. and it triggers all these synth sounds. There's a tiny bit of lag to it, a bit of uh, latency, um, which is unavoidable, but it does mean that you play your guitar and you can sound like, you know, anything you like. Um, and it's amazing for guitar, but then I discovered that if I plug a microphone into an audio interface like the iRig or, or whatever – i can actually trigger if i play clean with the clean notes not chords it doesn't like them in a monophonic way i can actually trigger synth sounds from a normal harmonica so that's another really interesting little uh kind of middle way between the um standard harmonica and the pure midi harmonica it's kind of um getting midi sounds i i i I,
0: I, I tell you where where, how i came across that was that i've always tried to uh, the, the limitations of, of a harmonica on a rack is that when you're playing, when you're playing along the guitar, you have to push yourself up and make sure that it's the, the harmonica is sitting right on the microphone or else yeah. it gets lost. So I, <laughs> I um after, I think it was you, it must have been you that I watched it, you used a, a lapel mic wrapped around your pinky. And I yeah. was thinking, that's genius. So what I did was I got moldable plastic, I molded it to a harmonica and just stuck a yeah. lapel mic in there, yeah. and yeah. that was the, the idea of my hands and stuck a magnet on it, yeah, my harmonica yeah. rack is is magnetic, and it worked yeah. really really well and but what was what was happening was I was getting loads and loads and loads of feedback, so what uh, I was yeah. thinking was I was getting loads mm-hmm. of feedback because it's just not really meant for that, so I plugged it into all sorts of processors and all that kind of crap, but it still wasn't. It was it was nearly there, but it wasn't. It just wasn't. And when I came across the stuff that you were doing, I thought that's absolutely genius. It's so like, I I, I qualified in sound engineering, like so I, I I understand all about MIDI yeah, so I understand all about MIDI and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, how in the hell did I not think of that? Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I thought that would work. So it it I I have done a lot of experimentation mm-hmm. around that because I was thinking like even just like like what you're saying if I could do Baker Street on um, mm. a harmonica and just have a MIDI set and it's going to be a saxophone and it'd be mm. mental. It'd be absolutely mm. mental. Now, mm. unfortunately, either it doesn't work that much or, or, or it doesn't work that well or else I've not put enough time into it. Um, mm. It does you require you, very, know you to know yourself. You very
2: cleanly. You know, like yeah. um, you can't do any... It has to be... Yeah. Really clean, precise notes. So all that kind of thing is very important. Otherwise, it triggers, you
0: know, a mayhem. Yeah, of, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, absolute mayhem and, and and loads of like shite sound and artifacts. Which in in the middle mm-hmm. of, a, of a busy pub on a Saturday night, it can be make or break. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, you, you know yourself. But I, um, I I I love all that stuff. Have you ever thought of maybe branching out and and building your own program in, in terms of like MIDI? So you can call it MIDI harmonica too. One, um, I whatever. mean there
2: is uh, I mean basically the way MIDI works um, I mean there's this amazing company um, uh, Italian company called audio modeling have you heard of them audio modeling and they make these sounds called Swan SWAM oh. sounds don't know what Swan sounds for exactly okay. but but they're amazing um, but most um, most uh, they don't use samples essentially they somehow they've got their own process to basically magic up. Incredible saxophone sounds, incredible chili, uh, uh, cello, not chili, cello sounds, violin, and they sound incredibly authentic. Apparently, they're not samples, but most other things are samples. And there is a couple of sample uh, packages of harmonica sounds, um, where someone's gone for you know a minute and then they sampled it, and then you can basically play them on a keyboard or whatever. But they don't really sound um, as good as a normal harp. So um, are you saying I should do something oh. like that? Um, maybe, um, but I, I, life's too short. <laughs> um, I'd rather just, I'd just find another another way to do it myself, either playing a standard yeah. harp or a MIDI harmonica. But, yeah, there could be a market for another harmonica sample package, but, yeah, I'm not that...
0: There could be one one that I came across that uh, on my, my my never ending uh, quest to have. Uh, so I, I I do a, a one man band thing where I play. If you've ever come across farmer foot drums, it's a, a fully self contained drum kit that you play with your feet. So I do that, and that was where the whole harmonica, the need for a hands free harmonica, might came from because I'm jumping around like like a lunatic yeah. playing playing with drums with my feet and playing guitar and stuff. And I always had like um, a boss octave pedal for like the the bass, and then I wanted to introduce, like, keys, so I I found different pedals by, there's one, there's pedals by electroharmonics called the Mel9, so it's like a Mellotron, like what the Beatles used, it Mm. samples all that, there's the String 9, there's the Organ 9, Keys 9, there's loads of these pedals, and they actually, it's, 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 um, it's not modeling at all, it is, it's pure, uh, it's like frequencies, it's just adding in different frequencies here, there, and everywhere, um, Mm. and it works really, really well, and I was trying that, um, with the harmonica. So yeah. that might be, it's yeah. instead of going the software route, you could go down the, the hardware route. That is like physical sound. It's just altering the, yeah the sound That's, and stick just, them on just, your bedboard.
2: Yeah. Just, um, you know, about your microphone and the, and the feedback issue. I mean, you're probably using what I was doing, like a, a 30 quid lapel mic, but you can get sort of some very high end um, lapel mics, you know, Audio Technica. They might cost, you know, two or three, you know, 100 quid or something, but you can get really good lapel mics that will yeah. eliminate feedback. I don't know if you want to spend that much money, but um, there are possible options to get rid of the feedback and still have the lapel mic. So, with your one man hand, the, the hands set. free, yeah,
0: I, I, I sense.
2: Yeah, are you using um looping and stuff like that
0: nope don't use any looping at all I play drums at my feet <laughs> I play guitar at my hands and I play harmonica with me
2: face. Cool, I'd love to, you must send me, um after this is over, you must send me a few links, if you have got some on playing on on YouTube or something?
0: Certainly I do, I have I've, I've a few bits and bobs, it's all older stuff now mind you but uh, it's all older mm-hmm. stuff but I uh, I will send it on to you, yeah, it's uh people do think it's it's a bit mental uh, and whenever I tell people that I'm a one man band, people are always like, oh I like your man from Mary Poppins but no it's <laughs> not, it's um the Farmer Foot Drums, you you, you would love, I think you would love uh, Farmer Foot Drums because again, um it's it's such a, an amazing innovation. Oh, it's, okay. do, do you know I what I mean. It's, it it's, it's, yeah. it's do definitely do. I'll, I'll send John the link. I've actually got Pete Farmer uh, coming on the podcast next week. Um, oh, cool. right. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it. I, I think you, you as, as a tinkerer and someone that, an, an inventor, you would you'd Get on really, really well with Pete, I think. Um, so I, mean, I definitely will send it's a fun
2: in my um, up till recently, I used to always play in, in bands or duos. You know, I love the duo, but um, in yeah. the recent years, I've got more and more into the one man band concept. But I do use more um, uh, looping and and um, stuff like that. Um, uh, so because I mean, not playing a chord instrument like you play a chord instrument, you can you know, you can it's, it's easier to make a big convincing sound, but I use yeah. um. Like looping and stuff, which is I find really fascinating. But it's um, a whole new thing in its own right. But it's it's pretty cool just to be able to play on your own and um, make it a big sound. And and um, you know, it's it's very satisfying when you can get something that works with a with a crowd or just by yourself. It is. It
0: it, it absolutely is. And it's it, it's one of these things where I'm actually at, at the moment um, building a, um, a, a a music career coaching product, and I, I speak about the, the Farmer foot drums in that. As a solo hmm. artist, as solo artist, you hear me. As a solo musician, yeah. What, 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 what make me stand out against John that plays guitar and sings is that while Barry and John have the same setlist, Barry has something else. He has that foot percussion, that thing that it's more than. It's not quite a band, but it's more than just the solo acoustic. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. it, it takes up pretty much the same the same space so um yeah but it's it's, it's 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 cool um i'll send john some links i definitely will yes. send john some links okay right so let's just um hop into the quick fire round here now and um we we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with that so Brendan, this is just a couple of quite of questions that i googled quickfire round questions and copied some of them so just to see uh, it, it it's it's all about just seeing what makes you tick if people haven't gotten a good sense of what makes you tick uh, by now uh, this will definitely show them so Don't think too much about it. Don't overthink it. Let's just have the first question, the first answer that comes to mind. So what is your favorite film?
2: Thinking of, I suppose maybe Deliverance had a big influence on me early days, but that's a long, long time ago, but that's
0: the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on my to-do list. It's one I've never actually seen and I love all the other films. What's your, Oh, here's, here's, here's a hard one for you now. Favorite album.
2: Oh yeah, I, I suppose um, in terms of influence, um, some of those uh, uh, Sunny Boy, Sunny Boy Williamson. This is my story. It was a double album that was really I listened to incessantly um, to get into the harmonica playing. So I don't know if it's it was on Chess Records. Sunny Boy Williamson. This is my story. Um, I love that, and also. Um, Probably uh, you know that um, the, the, the Bob Dylan album that I got sold by mistake almost at the same time, which is Blood on the Tracks as an album. I mean that's going back a long, long time. But um, yeah, I, those just come to mind off the top of my head.
0: Fair enough. Good stuff. This is one that I ask everybody: What's your favourite word? <laughs>
2: uh well lo- loquacious just came up now i haven't used that for a while
0: so <laughs> we'll, we'll get that one. <laughs> I, love, I love that word i absolutely love it because it's just it, it embodies exactly what someone loquacious is do you know what i mean i love it i absolutely love it um i've been i've been described as loquacious in not so uh polite terms before as well so <laughs> it's all good um right tea or coffee 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 good man if you could have an unlimited amount of anything what would you have <laughs>
2: um, well, there's probably some things I shouldn't mention.
0: <laughs> usually, usually, people say money. <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, I've only uh, had one person. That, I've only had one person that didn't really say money, and he said Guinness. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> yeah, um, money. Is, you know, to me, to me, as long as you've got enough to be comfortable and do the things that you want to do, I don't. I, I think having more than that, it's just not necessary. So, yeah, for me. It is nice to be not, you know, on the bones of my ass and, um, you know, scratching around. Yeah. And on the other hand, you know, being a millionaire, billionaire, I, I don't need that.
0: The, the the best the best way I ever put, I heard that put was um, Paul Stanley from Kiss, actually, believe it or not. And it was in the film, uh, The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. And the scene is, is basically an overhead camera of him lying in a bed with about 20 women around him. And he's saying money, <laughs> which completely and utterly, you, you'd nearly lose the whole point of it. But the, the point stands is that the, the thing about money is what money, what a lot of money gives you is the ability to not worry about money. He says money is not the be-all and end-all of everything. It's just it's it's the ability to not worry about it after that. Like like you're saying enough to keep yourself comfortable and that you don't need to be thinking about it. That's what yeah. that's that that's all the money you should ever need. And that's easy for yeah. him to say. He's he's yeah. a million million multi multi millionaire. But like yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um okay, let's let let's do two more. What do you regret spending money on then?
2: Um, hmm, regret spending money on. <sighs> Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head really um just maybe well in a general sense maybe sometimes um I think you know I, I do have enough money now to be fairly comfortable but in the early days I was you know very poor up till probably my mid-30s um uh, you know you know really um you know doing odd jobs just following music and thinking well uh, but I was really you know quite poor and um and I've still got a bit of that mindset. So now, when I um, have that thrifty mindset, so now when I'm thinking of buying something, sometimes I won't buy the the best one there is. You know, I'll buy yeah. the cheapest one. So sometimes I, I do that, and I think, oh, why didn't I just, you know, I should have just bought the really good one. You know, like the German one instead of the, you know, the knockoff Chinese version. And um, so that's that's it's yeah, not a specific yeah, thing, but all. it's kind of a. You know, it's a general thing. I could afford that German one. Why didn't I just buy it? You know, uh, but no, I'm trying to save money. Or oh, maybe it shouldn't spend too much. And you know, yeah. this kind of that kind of mindset from my early days is still with me. So,
0: yeah. Well, oh, good. I'm 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 glad I'm glad to hear because I I'm, I'm I'm turning thirty on Saturday, and I'm glad to hear that that you kind of were were still sort of scrimping and saving into your mid thirty. So that gives me a little <laughs> bit of hope.
2: Definitely, oh, are <laughs> yeah, No, I was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> and when and we and first went time- to London, um, you know that. Even the price of a tube ticket after a while, I think, oh, do I really need yeah. to buy a tube? Yeah. But then the Riverdance thing came along. And, well, actually, before that, I started getting, starting to play gigs um, around the folk scene and slowly build things up. But it was only only when uh, Riverdance came along that I starting to make really good money. And then I got lucky and, um, you know, well, bought a house in London, which I'd never been able to do in, before and then yeah so really yeah, there was luck really but well it wasn't really I mean it was all the building up of the skills and the hacking harmonicas and playing that led to the Riverdance show but up to that point yeah. yeah it was just um you know very poor <laughs> yeah it, it,
0: it, it was all it was all the graft that led you to being in the right place at the right time
2: exactly yeah
0: yeah good stuff finally then Brendan what would you be doing if you weren't a musician
2: Well, um, that's pretty easy to answer. I'm just happy doing – making stuff, you know, with um, designing and um, making – you know, with CAD design, I just love it, so creative, and then making stuff in my workshop. So, to be honest, these days I'm not doing a lot of playing. I'm actually more making things. So it's still music-related and it's harmonica-related, but um, and it's designed ultimately for playing, but it's the the creative making, designing, inventing – an inventor, designer, maker, I suppose I'd be – I, you know Love it. that'd be enough for me excellent good stuff right well let's leave it there brendan
0: before we go where can people find you
2: well i i guess my website's the obvious um one it's fairly comprehensive it's just um brendan dash power.com so brendan with an a brendan dash hyphen power.com okay uh, and also on facebook and all the other kind of things as well i think there's facebook links on the website yeah
0: Facebook links on the website. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make sure that all of that is um, linked in the description of the podcast. So that there's not much else for us to say, but thanks very much, Brendan, and we'll catch you the next time.
2: Great, Barry. M- nice to talk to you, and I look forward to hearing your, um, your links and seeing some of the stuff you do as well. Fantastic stuff. Thanks very much, Brendan. Cheers. Cheers.
0: That was the Music Career Show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and tell
1: your friends about the Music Career Show.